0: I'm Abigail. And I'm Joseph, and this is Brain Cookies, a podcast where twice a week, we research a subject, idea, or fact, and then we present those ideas to each other. Um, So what have you researched today, Abigail? Today I'm going
1: to be talking about the law of attraction, where it originated from, and then how we can utilize it in our own lives to get what we want out of life.
0: Well, that sounds interesting. I am going to be talking about the American decibel and how how awful it was. And how we should know about it. Um, yeah. We're going to take a really fast break. And then we'll be right back with you. Hey guys. And we're back. And um, we're going to start talking about the American Dust Bowl. I don't know if it has to be the American Dust Bowl. But that's where it happens. So. It makes um, sense. So the Dust Bowl was a period of severe dust storms through the American Drylands. So, so which was like Kansas and Texas and stuff. So. Basically, they had a big huge drought for a couple of years and this is what happened. So they had severe dust storms, like I said. Um, so 6,500 people died, um, which is crazy, mainly from jumping on trains to go away from where they were. So that's how they died. Um, not actually from the dust. I know a lo- large cause of it was from dust pneumonia.
1: That is so ironic, honestly. Like, in the process of escaping, that's how they passed away yeah. instead of it being from
0: the actual effects of the the dust bowl. Mm-hmm. I- I'm curious, do you know what, what years this happened? Yes, this happened... Uh, 1935 through 1938. So three years.
1: Crazy. So right... Almost right smack dab between the world wars.
0: Yep. Um, it was basically three years and it was a big huge drought and I'm was, just
1: kidding. I don't know if that's actually the time for, this, for the World Wars. I, I was just sad <laughs> about that. I was like, hold up. I know I know it's somewhere in there. Have it
0: in the nineteen hundreds. Okay. Um but what I was gonna say was that it, there was there was some rain, but it wasn't enough to like get rid of the dust. Um so approximately um more than eighty five hundred million tons of topsoil had blo- was blown off the um, th- Southern Plains in 1935. Nearly eight tons for every resident.
1: That's incredible.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. They talked about it, because I'm reading a book about it. And they talked about it being, like, snow drifts, you know, up against your house and stuff. And how it was like there was nothing that you could get out of it.
1: And it makes sense...
0: To understand why this would ruin the
1: livelihood of so many people, agriculturally, yeah. you have all of your nutritious topsoil that's just swept away. I mean, it sounds almost like overnight,
0: and mm-hmm. then you yeah. go
1: out to plant or what have you, and you don't want to because you stick something in the ground, and you know the next morning it's going to be blown away.
0: Well, it's interesting what you said, like, overnight and, um, you know, like, good topsoil. Well, the thing was that this was partly because it was there was a drought, and also because this, this um, problem was kind of man-made. Because we weren't, we didn't know what we should plant after each mm, crop. Alternating. So, all our, our topsoil was super duper dry. So, it was partly our fault. Because so many people had moved in. Um, Because once people found, because technically, during the um, World War One, Europe wanted us, needed us to ship food, wheat, to them. So, basically, everybody was moving in. They are using their money to buy bigger equipment. And then once the World War One ended, people weren't making as much money. Like, the amount of... The cost for wheat went way up and then dropped. So, the, all these people had tons of, you know debts and stuff and new machines that they had to pay off and they couldn't because the world war World War one was over
1: and then it comes to bite you i'm sure because not only do you have all those things that you have to pay for that you just purchased and such but nothing is selling and if it's yeah. selling it's at a very low rate so wow double whammy
0: yeah and uh on like the that specific place um the uh, the southern plains um 12 million pounds of dust was, like, deposited on the towns and stuff, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, in the book, they said that, like, if you, have your sam- if you had your table set, you'd put the glasses upside down so then there wouldn't be any dust in them. And that, like, by the time you would uncover your sandwich and take a bite, it'd be covered in dust.
1: Wow. What a, what a sort of surreal environment.
0: Yeah. Like, you could just never escape. They said that it would, like, get under your eyelids and stuff. And I hate, like, the feeling of being, like... Has sandy at the beach, Mm -hmm. and it's kind of dumb for me to feel that way. Like, well, not dumb that I am in discomfort, but like after what they in comparison, in comparison, Um, in some places more than seventy five percent of the topsoil was blown away, um, which is crazy. So I I looked at some pictures of the um, dust bowl, and it's actually really scary because it almost looks like a wave. You know when you see the clouds that like are all Deep blue and stuff. Uh, and it looks like a wave. Well, it almost looks like that because it's just like this big, huge just black wave of dust. Um, there was a day called the Black Sunday, which was the worst dust storm. Um, people couldn't see five feet in front of them. And some of these dust storms, you know, y- you'd come back and you'd just be like swelled. You know what I mean, because all these little, you're basically getting pan mm. like all over your body, which is crazy um i I know I already started talking about this um but there was something called dust pneumonia um because you basically breathed in dust hmm um and it's actually it's pretty crazy because I was reading the book, and I know I keep going back to this book. it's called out of the dust it's a really good book um it's about a girl who lived during the um dust bowl um but they talked about you know you get in from working or something, and you blow out your nose and it just be mud, or you just spit and it just be mud, and and it was pretty crazy like. It's
1: so disgusting, honestly. And if you think about it, the standard the standard of life that you suddenly become willing to accept because that's your livelihood. And yeah. It, I mean, you don't always have the option to leave, and it sounds like the people who did have the option to leave were trying to jump on trains and getting killed in the process. Mm-hmm. So. It's definitely sort of a a strange, sort of surreal. I don't know. It it almost seems like it couldn't have happened with the way you describe it. It's very unearthly.
0: Mm -hmm. No, I totally agree. And, you know, I feel like some people, like you you said, you know, they're jumping on um, trains and stuff. And I know the book talks about um, a lot of people just being willing to walk. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're just walking out of the town and just going to walk until they stop.
1: And I don't know if we have any listeners in Kansas or Texas areas, but definitely driven through before. That's a lot of flat land. That's a yeah. lot of nothing. So yeah. you get started in one direction and you hope you stay true because you're going to end up in the middle of nowhere real quick.
0: Yeah. And they they talked about that, how people would come through their town and be like, you know, I don't know where I am mm-hmm. and like fix me. You know what I mean, um, yeah. So that's basically all I have mm-hmm. for um, this. I know it was a little bit short but I thought it was really interesting because I'm reading this book and I think it's so important because so many people died and it was such a time of, like, you know, when you think about okay, World War One. I, I know this is really dumb for me to compare these, but, you know, if you are out in the field, you're in extreme discomfort and you might die, right? But there's something so, like, terrible about the thought of, because it's not like you're going to necessarily die from this. I mean, because there's so many people that live there, and in comparison, only a few people died. But um, there, there's something, I don't know. I've thought about this, and there's something so disgusting about that. You know what I mean? <laughs> but <sighs> do you know what I mean? Like, just, like, not being able to escape something. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I've thought about it, and I've been like, you know, why couldn't you cover everything in plastic, Mm -hmm. or, you know what I mean, and when, honestly, there was no way.
1: I think that's one of the scary things about environmental issues, when you start talking about things like ocean acidification, or a a polar vortex that's sort of out of whack, or uh, climate change, those types of, those types of phenomenon, the thing that's so disturbing about them is not only that we have this earth that we sort of destroyed in the process Mm -hmm. of our existence, But also the idea that we can't escape because it is everywhere. And I mean, with the Dust Bowl, it's sort of centralized. But that's your home and that's your livelihood. And you would be amazed at the pull factors people allow to affect themselves so that they stay in a place that's not necessarily ideal. Yeah, it was
0: kind of like like a dust hurricane, if you think about it that way, for like three years straight. I mean, it was obviously in periods. It wasn't like every single day. But, you know, in the book they talked about having to see to see whether it was dust or um snow you would had to clump it together and see if you could throw it throw it far enough
1: it's crazy so,
0: yeah that's all i have to talk about um we're gonna take a really fast break sorry that that was so short but it, i found it interesting and um we'll be right back with you to talk about the law of attraction
1: guys. We're back for the last half of our podcast, and I'm going to be discussing the law of attraction. Some of you guys might be familiar with this concept. It dates back to actually the times of Buddha. That's where it's credited to and has a connection to karma. But the concept has probably been around ever since human beings have been around. So I'm just going to be discussing this briefly, more in a self-help fashion, and then we're going to be talking about tips and tricks on how you can get this involved in your own life to see some beneficial changes. So... What is the law of attraction? Basically, it's the idea that thoughts turn into things eventually. So when you start thinking about um, positive envisioning for scenarios or when you start thinking about negative thoughts that constantly consume your mind, those things eventually make their way out into reality. It impacts you whether you believe in it or not. And that's sort of the interesting t- thing to me about the law of attraction. You have a lot of people who say, oh, I don't believe in that mumbo jumbo. You mm-hmm. can't see it. Whatever. It doesn't exist. But if you think positively and you approach things with a can-do attitude, like perhaps it's already been achieved, the likelihood of you succeeding actually scientifically increases. They perform multiple studies where people start, you know – Acting as if they've already achieved what they want to. And sometimes in almost miraculous ways, they do achieve these things. Yeah,
0: I know. I've heard about people being like, you know, if if you're kind of sad, then like fake smile for this period of time. And then it actually works. It kind of does make you happy.
1: And that's one of those things where a lot of people ask, you know, is this essentially fake it till you make it? And the simple answer is yes, it, it sort of is. Because there's some beneficial elements to that whole approach to life. So, this is an excuse for not preparing. For example, for this podcast, I could say, I'm gonna envision positivity about tomorrow morning when I have to wake up and record a podcast and it's gonna be great. No, you still have to do some preparation. It's more about the attitude that you have after you've prepared. So, for example, I've seen this in my own life, but I didn't identify it till I started researching this topic. Whenever I go into an interview, I always project as if I already have the job. And I didn't realize this was something I did until I I started considering it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Last summer, I worked at Lowe's. I went in for the interview. And my attitude towards the people, I I was almost shocked with with the way I treated my interviewer, was very much, I, I wouldn't say cocky, but sort of, you know... I'm good enough for this, Mm -hmm. and if you guys aren't interested, I can find somewhere else, but if you are, I'm already hired, and I think that attitude going into it actually benefited me in getting the job that I wanted. So, where does it come from? It dates back from Buddha, ideally. I mean, that's the concept. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of wrong concepts about Buddha, y'all. He was not fat. Um,
0: He was also a very, like, nice guy. From what I read, like he was supposed to be like amazing. Buddha was Buddha was a bro, man. Yeah. Man, when I knew Buddha, Buddha he was... was sick. Buddha's
1: my bae. Okay. But it 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 ties to karma. Basically, you get what you give. If you project negativity, you get ne- negativity back from the universe and that type of thing. So it has a lot to do with spirituality and your relationship to the universe. I think the the concept of historically did it exist, did it come about? Sure. Is it real? I believe so, but I also think that it's up for debate because it takes a lot of acceptance to follow this type of reasoning. Because you have to believe that you're not the victim. You're responsible. So when something negative happens in your life, you don't say, wow, that was out of my control. I didn't envision, you know, or like someone else ruined my life. Yeah. You, it would be more, oh, I didn't envision this correctly. I didn't handle my fear with compassion. I yeah. was I was reckless. So I think that you end up doing a lot more self-blame in a way. And this can be not necessarily effective in some scenarios. For example, if you're in an abusive relationship, A get help. B if you approach it in a way that I'm going to act as if I'm already out of this abusive relationship, mm-hmm. you're not going to probably see a lot of success. Let's and also, just put it that way.
0: Yeah. And there's also some people who you're not going to be able to change. You know what I mean? If you project happiness or if you project positivity, then they're not going to necessarily be nice towards you just because you're nice towards them.
1: Absolutely. And I think it's, it's important to remember that when you're going about this in your life, that... There are some times where failure to achieve the goal that you've projected positively is going to lead to better things in life. Mm -hmm. And that's something you just need to roll with. You know, so many people have stories of finding their true passion after they failed hard at something they were seeking to achieve. So I think there's also an element of flexibility to it. But is it real? I believe so. Is it always beneficial? Not necessarily. And it doesn't always work. Mm -hmm. But I do think that there are benefits to be reaped from it, even if it doesn't work in the way you expect
0: it to. I definitely think that there are some truths in it. Absolutely.
1: Uh, The question of, is it fake it till you make it? Essentially, yes. And if you approach it that way, you're not always going to feel great about it. I mean, you can project that you're going to feel great. You can think positively, and eventually it's going to affect your mood. But in the moment, if you're faking that you're successful when in reality you're at a dead-end job and you're not making enough money, it's going to be a struggle. Most of the information that I'm gonna uh, present to you guys following up came from mindvalley.com and then thelawofattraction.com as well. So, where can this law impact your life? Once you're aware of some of the pitfalls that might be involved, once you're aware of some of the things that are a little bit more sketchy, or, you know, what are the limitations of the law, then you can start implementing it into your Mm -hmm. own life. This can affect you in, in fact, the number one way is making money. If you expect more, you get more. And that's sort of the, the 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 crux of the issue, y'all. Yeah. If you expect to get more, then you will get more. And if you expect in the way that you project yourself that you deserve more, people tend to give you more.
0: And and I know what you you're saying too that you don't you that doesn't mean that you don't work more. That doesn't mean that you don't do anything. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that you sit at home and you're like, oh, I'm expecting more money. But I definitely think if you go into the add it, it to it. If you go into it with the attitude of, this is what I want, and I'm going to get there, then I definitely think that's a lot better.
1: And I think that's the important thing to realize. It's not sitting back and saying, okay, I'm going to believe in this. It's, it's the attitude that you carry uh-huh. into, the, into the place. Love, life, and relationships. If you act like you have them, chances are you probably already do. And I think that's one of the, the reasons why women like, and men like, self-confident people. Because you, you approach someone and when they seem self-assured and when they seem like they can achieve, people typically find this a, as a huge turn on because it, it spells out what they see mm-hmm. in the future for themselves and it already seems like reality. You have uh, benefits in health. So if you have positive envisioning, if you see yourself as already there, you can use that to motivate you through your health journey and then just for overall fun when you tackle situations like they're going to bring you pleasure you typically have a better outlook and you're more fun to be around and you also enjoy yourself more Mm -hmm. overall so we have this law we have areas of life where it can play into we understand what it is how can we implement it there's no hard and fast rules but i do think there are certain considerations to take into account before we start approaching this the first concept you need to understand about this law is that the only limitation you have is yourself So work on that imagination. If you can only see yourself getting to $12.75 an hour and never moving out of your parents' basement, that's on you. And the law of attraction is more powerful than that because you're not more powerful than that. Initially, it's important to decide what you want. And this step is so important. If you haven't defined your goals, if you don't have it clearly set in your mind, you're not going to be able to achieve
0: what you're after. Yeah, if you're just like, man, I want a good job and I want to make a lot of money. You know what I mean? Yeah, or,
1: you know, it'd be nice to be fitter. No, be specific and set up your goals. Mm-hmm. I want to weigh 135 pounds. I want my body mass index to be such and such. I want, you know, my percentage body fat to be this. Be specific in your goals so that way you have something to attach your imagination yeah. to. The second step that I would recommend is envisioning what is it like and then get into it with those details because the more detailed you are when you envision these things, the better payoff you're probably going to have in the future. Be flexible with yourself because, you know, it doesn't have to be a hard and fast rule, but it's good to have specifics. I didn't realize until I started researching the law of attraction that I've done this throughout my entire existence probably. And I think a lot of people do. You turn on your music, you close your eyes, and you get into your headspace where ideally you can achieve anything. Mm -hmm. And I think the danger is people keep that in their imagination and don't allow themselves to believe that this is
0: actually possible. Yeah, when you listen to a good song and you're like, man, I just want to run. And Mm -hmm. then you're like laying down in bed at like 11 o'clock at night and you're like, "Ah, no, it's (laughs) fine.
1: (laughs) Well, I feel good about running in my imagination, so I I think that's one of the dangerous things about envisioning things is you get a high off that and you don't actually Mm -hmm. pursue it. Definitely. Um, The next step we're going to talk about is believing. So not letting your fear cripple you between that envisioning and the doing. When we think about this, I think the best way to consider the believe portion of the law of attraction is to think about things that we do without thinking. What allows us to do the things that we do? What keeps us going even when ideally we wouldn't be doing those things? And it's The fact that we don't even allow a thought of not doing those things or failing at those things to enter our mind. Mm -hmm. For example, someone who drives to work every day works and comes back home. That might seem like a small task to you. And for sure it has to do with habit and it it has to do with the benefits that they reap from that. But they get up and brush their teeth and go to the bathroom and Mm -hmm. eat their breakfast and go to work. Hopefully not in that order because you should brush your teeth after breakfast, y'all. But the reason why they're effective in this is because they don't even entertain the thought that it couldn't happen. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things about positive envisioning. Once you've decided what you want and you've envisioned it, believe that it's possible. Don't entertain the thought that you couldn't do it. Yeah. And once you've obtained that, then, wow, you're, you're well on your way. It's, it's important to stay flexible, again, yeah. because you could be envisioning your you know $500,000 car, and in reality you get... A slightly less expensive car, but it still gets you there. you get
0: a less expensive car.
1: <laughs> <laughs> if you're spending
0: half a million dollars on a car, hmm, okay, we have some choice words. I also think it's also important to, this sounds kind of odd, but, like, to never be done. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. And like, I think not to necessarily always want more money, mm-hmm. but to always have goals. To always try to be a better you. I know that sounds kind of cliche, but... It
1: it is cliche, but cliches are cliche for a reason. I mean, self-help has done so well because, A, people are dissatisfied, and, B, they know that they probably have the capability to change it. Mm -hmm. So, once you've decided what you're after, you've envisioned it, you've reached a place where you believe yourself capable of achieving this, you got to begin. But you need to start as though you've already arrived. If you were already... Drinking eight cups of water a day. If you were already reading about the dust bowl, and you, you know, you didn't already entertain these concepts of well, maybe I can't read this many pages of a book a day. Maybe I'll be in the bathroom all day if I eat if I eat eight cups of water. Yeah, you if know? you eat
0: some water, tell me.
1: Yeah, if you eat some water, please call. <laughs> and not just ice. No, but your attitude about it shifts. You know, it's it's already a habit you've incorporated into your life, so you mm-hmm. don't need to worry about thinking it through. And then the key to everything is persistence, as it is with everything, you know, if you're starting a new diet, if you're reading a book, if you're trying to lose weight, if you're trying to improve your attitude or, you know, tithe more at church, whatever, whatever you're doing, persistence is the key. And you can Mm -hmm. aid this by creating vision boards, you know, making lists of things that you've achieved, gratitude lists, if you'd like, positive visualizations, you know, possibly with music, just sitting down and getting in that mind space before you continue being mindful in the way that you interact with other people and being, you know, conscious and compassionate towards yourself. And then some people really enjoy affirmative statements. You know, you wake up in the morning and you say, not I can do this, but I have done this, you know, mm-hmm. that sort of completion in your language can that benefit you.
0: Kind of weird. Like <laughs> if I wake up from sleeping, then I'll be like, I have slept. <laughs> no, no. No, <laughs> like, I, I understand you know, what you're I, saying.
1: I already, I'm in a relationship with yeah. Cindy. And maybe Cindy doesn't know you exist yet. But you're going to go into the workplace and you're going to handle it with confidence, believing and projecting. And maybe you fall flat on your face. Cindy!
0: (laughs) I love you! Get over here!
1: No, and I I, I think We are in a
0: relationship.
1: (laughs) Surprise! I think that's one of the things that's sort of exciting and also sort of daunting about it Mm -hmm. is the fact that you're going to try things and some things are going to make you fall on your face. But like they say... If you aim for the moon and you miss, you at least land among the stars. So hopefully you still receive some benefits. Yeah. But that's sort of the law of attraction in a nutshell. I would definitely recommend
0: researching. There's a lot of cool information out it's there. pretty interesting.
1: And I think it's something that affects you whether you like it or not. So why not give it a shot?
0: Yeah, I'm guessing like around the time that Buddha was, that's probably when they named it. It's not like he created it.
1: Well, yeah, and I mean, conceptually, it it doesn't necessarily have to do with someone creating something. It's more like, when did they put it down in writing, yeah. or when did they sort of start labeling things?
0: Well, that's going to be it for Friday. Uh, I I almost said Tuesday, and I was like, no! <laughs> Tomorrow's Saturday. Um, and I hope that you guys enjoyed our... I know it was a little shorter than usual, but I mean... We're trimming back, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I, th- this podcast is however long it takes. It's so. fluid. Um... We will see you next Tuesday, uh, not, no, not next Tuesday, this coming Tuesday. See ya. Adios.
1: This podcast was created by Abigail and Joseph Horton in their closet, in their closet, in their closet with Anchor. We hope that you enjoyed it.
0: In